Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T-minus 37 seconds. Fight with growing equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure, and we're here on Finding Your Frequency Friday with a great topic to discuss for the day. As you guys know, we're always trying to bring you uh, some really cool content that you can use for yourselves, for your business, all of those types of things. And so, of course, as we all know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, it's important to, you know, understand the ins and outs of, of what you're doing from a, a law perspective. And of course, looking at, you know, should I be a limited liability corporation, a C corp an S corp, you know, all of those things are things that come into, into play when you're starting your business. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this. We'll also talk about uh, some of the loopholes of real estate and some of those things and how you can leverage that to grow your wealth. Cause everybody knows you got to have that little side hustle uh, or mere main hustle, whatever that is to help grow uh, your passive income. And we're going to continue on with the series of Rich Dad Advisors today as we talk to Mr. Garrett Sutton. And Mr. Garrett Sutton is an author. And man, what a wonderful author he is. He's been writing books like you can't believe all over the place. Uh, many, many, many books. And we'll get into uh, some discussions about that. But of course, Garrett Sutton is a legal expert and founder of Corporate Direct and Sutton Law Center out of Reno, Nevada. And of course, I said best-selling author of six Rich Dad Advisor series. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the new ones that he has. Start your own co- own start your own corporation, loopholes of real estate. And then, of course, we have this great starting uh, your own corporation book that I was mentioning earlier. So we want to welcome Mr. Garrett Sutton to the show. Garrett, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. Pleasure to be with you. Well, we're so glad to have you on. We appreciate you uh, spending some time with us here today. I know you got a really busy schedule, so, you know, let's get into it, huh? That sounds good. So I wouldn't be doing my due diligence to the listeners if I didn't start off with our, you know, standard question that we have for just about everybody who comes on the Finding a Frequency show. And, and that is, of course, you know, we want to know a little bit of the story, a little bit of the background on uh, how you became who you are today. So maybe just take a few minutes and tell us your story about how you found your frequency in life and in business and decided to do what you're doing. Well, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in the Oakland Hills, and uh, my dad was a judge in Oakland. And, you know, we would come home from uh, a day in the court and you know, tell us stories about what happened in the courtroom. And one of the things that always stuck me with, uh, or I remembered was that these people who operated as sole proprietorships and general partnerships, you know, lost all their personal assets. And it was really easy for someone to just set up a corporation. They didn't have LLCs back then, but you could set up a corporation and protect yourself. And so, At a young age, I was just learning about the laws. I sat around the dinner table and uh, it led me to, uh, you know, I went to Berkeley and took business and then I went across the bay to Hastings Law School in San Francisco and and became an attorney. And again, I always liked that idea of corporations 
and now LLCs being able to protect people. And so that's kind of how I arrived at my frequency, Ryan. Oh, that must have been pretty interesting with your dad being a judge and, you know, being able to kind of quiz him on some of the things that he had been dealing with in the law practice. Tell us a little bit about how that relationship was. Well, it was a great relationship. He, before he became a judge, he was a district attorney uh, in Oakland. And uh, the story is yet untold of how the police kept the Hells Angels and the Black Panthers at each other's throats. Uh, if those two groups had joined up, Oakland would have been a really tough place. <laughs> so he told some of those stories. And uh, then, you know, he, he would have these business cases. And that's the, the those were the cases I really uh, found interesting. Uh, and so that's kind of why I, when I went to uh, uh, Berkeley and when I went to Hastings, I, I focused on the business issues. Just, it was something that interested me from a very young age. And here I am, you know, decades later, and I'm still enjoying uh, setting up corporations and LLCs for people, helping them maintain those entities so that they can stay protected. I mean, in the United States, we've only become more litigious over the years. And, you know, you really need to take those steps to protect yourself. They don't teach this to you in school, Ryan, as you know. This is something you have to gain on your own. And so it's been really fortunate to work with Robert Kiyosaki and travel the world actually and talk about how you can advance your financial future. And my job in, within that uh, mix is to make sure that as you advance yourself, you're also protecting yourself with corporations and LLCs. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really big point to bring home, especially for our listening audience. You you have a lot of people who say, oh, I work for myself. And, you know, you ask them, oh, you know, it's a corporation, limited liability. And they're like, no, I just work for myself. And, you know, in a gig economy that we're dealing with now, it's probably even more important that you're not just doing business as a sole proprietor, that you have some type of a legal entity that you're working under. Can you tell us, you know, why that's important? Because I know with, you know, almost more than 40 million lawsuits that are filed every year in the United States, how can uh, how and why would somebody want to create one of those entities to maintain their business? What are the advantages of doing so? Well, let's say you're, you're a gig worker. Um, California is really making that tough now, but around the country, there are plenty of people who are gig uh, independent contractors, and they can do that in their own name, or they can operate through, let's say, an LLC, uh, perhaps taxes and S-Corp, and we can get into that too. But the gig worker is going to set up an LLC, operate through the LLC. When he signs a contract, it's going to be uh, you know, Joe Blow, manager of Gig LLC. Uh, he's going to get paid into the name Gig LLC. He's going to deposit the money in that bank account. Here's his benefit. If he gets sued on a job, uh, it, they're going to sue the LLC. And that's who did the work. Uh, he is not going to be exposing his personal assets the equity in his house, his personal bank account, uh, his other uh, brokerage accounts, any other accounts are protected because he, the client that is suing him, did business with the LLC, not with Joe Blow as an individual. So that is a main advantage for setting up the LLC, just protecting your other uh, assets. 
you know, Ryan, spouses really don't like it when you get sued and you lose all the family assets. So <laughs> it's really easy to set up one of these LLCs and be much better protected. Um, the other thing, Ryan, is if you operate as a sole proprietor, whereby all of your assets are exposed, uh, if you operate as a sole proprietor, the IRS is going to audit you at a five times greater rate than they do an LLC. Um, the sole proprietor is just easy pickings for the IRS. Uh, sometimes they don't have a bookkeeper. Sometimes they commingle business and personal monies. And so the IRS goes after the sole proprietor at a really great rate. And so just by operating through an LLC, you're going to reduce your audit risk and you're going to protect your personal assets. Well, I think that's extremely important because nobody likes to get audited. I was, you know, there's like a commercial I see online all the time and it's like, you know, uh, people would rather go to the dentist than get audited <laughs> or something like that. And so I could exactly. de definitely I agree with that. <laughs> so when you're protecting yourself, that, that seems to be extremely important. I mean, you don't want to have, uh, you know, somebody sue you for some work that you've done and then take your house. Um, when I guess if you have an LLC, you could probably have some type of, uh, insurance that's with your LLC that could mitigate, you know, any payouts on that from the, from the limited liability side. And then you're protecting yourself and the LLC. H how important is, you know, some type of insurance or something that goes along with creating these entities? Well, that is a great question, uh, question, Ryan, because I always recommend that insurance is the first line of defense. Right, you want that E and O insurance, that errors and omissions insurance for your business. You want if their claim comes against the business, you turn it over to the insurance company, and hopefully they cover it. Uh, but then, uh, if you operate as an individual and the insure the claim exceeds the insurance, uh, your personal assets are at risk. At risk. So the second line of defense is the LLC. So we have insurance for the business. If the claim exceeds that, then you have your LLC protecting your personal assets from exposure. So I always recommend that people have the umbrella policy, the insurance policy. I also suggest that people have an umbrella policy of insurance, whereby with when their house and their autos are insured with the same company, say State Farm, you can ask for an umbrella policy. And like the term implies, that provides greater coverage. If you get in that horrific car wreck, the umbrella policy will uh, exceed your regular policy. And for only $400 a year, you can get an extra million dollars of coverage. So in, in that case, we want someone who's suing you over a horrific car wreck to be able to get the umbrella insurance money, and if there's enough money there, they'll leave you alone on your LLCs, which may hold real estate, may hold brokerage accounts, may hold your businesses. So a combination of insurance and entities, be they corporations or LLCs, is really a smart way to go in our society these days. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, as we kind of 
look backwards and we were we, we had mentioned the gig economy you know I'll, I'll use an example if i'm a graphic designer or something like that and you know I'm, I'm i'm using a vehicle and i'm driving around town i'm visiting my customers and yes i have a limited liability corporation and all of that is well and good and i have that protection and i have insurance but you know i have a few you know business-based assets maybe the car was like my regular car before but now i'm using it every day to drive around to see customers at, at what point do you have to make a decision to, you know, like pool some of those assets into the limited liability corporation versus being like your personal vehicle, um, right? Obviously, because you want to have the business to have the the tax write off of gas and mileage right. and maintenance and you know all that well, kind of stuff. What I like to do, Ryan, is you know I I recommend that people keep their their vehicle in their personal name because if you get in a car wreck, right, whether the car's in an LLC or not, you're responsible for that wreck. That's your individual action. So if the car is held by your business LLC, you're giving someone suing over a car wreck the ability to get not only you personally, they can get your insurance, but they also, uh, you're giving them a bridge into the business LLC. So I'd rather have the car in your individual name, have plenty of insurance, have an umbrella policy, as we mentioned, and then have your business pay you the 52 cents a mile or whatever it is now for the use of the car so that you do get the benefit of your business paying for your business use of the car. But the car is in your personal name, and if there's a lawsuit, they're going after you personally, and hopefully you have enough insurance, but they're not going after your business. That's how we like to structure things. Yeah, and that's a good point. I didn't even think about the fact that somebody could go after you and the LLC in a car accident scenario. Right. So that's a great point. I, I, I appreciate you bringing that to the table. I think that's important information for anybody who's, you know, an entrepreneur. They're in startup mode. They're trying to kind of figure things out. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about that on Finding Your Frequency. You know, the whole premise of the show is, uh, is summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone and go do something different, you know. And so that would mean not having your regular nine to five and live in somebody else's dream or working for somebody else's business. But, you know, taking that new idea and that new uh, product, that new 3D printed something or other that you created and, and creating a business around that. But having those protections in place with the limited liability or corp, S corp or whatever that is and the insurance, it really just makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then, of course, just paying yourself back. I'm, I'm sure you see this all the time. I, I live in Arizona in Phoenix and you know, construction is booming. It's huge. You know, and I have a friend of mine. He just works for himself. I mean, he, he's been a, a, a journeyman a, a woodworker for, you know, 20 something years and broke off like a few years ago and is doing his own thing. And, you know, he's been operating his own thing as a sole proprietorship and no, not having an LLC and, you know, going on job sites. And I'm like, dude, you really need to get like bonded and insured, like go get your contractor's yeah. license, like, you know, have all of those safeguards in place. Cause I feel like he's just at risk, you know, driving around in a truck that's in his name, doing work under his own name. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's, that's a scary situation to be in. Well, and it's really interesting, Ryan, is you'll talk to someone like that and they'll say, oh, it never happens to me. And then they have that wake up call, right? Where something bad happens on a job and they realize, oh gosh, everything I have is exposed. And the key thing is at that point, after the accident happens, it's too late to gain protection, right? It's too late to put your business into an LLC because you were operating as a sole proprietor 
and everything that you did at the, up until the point of the new LLC, you're personally responsible for. And if you try and put it in an LLC after the accident, it's called a fraudulent conveyance. Anytime the word fraud is in a phrase, you got to watch out, right? You don't want to <laughs> do a fraudulent conveyance whereby, whereby you're trying to hide assets from a creditor. So it's really unfortunate. I get these calls, Ryan, where someone has had something bad happen. They knew they should have set up an LLC, but they waited until there was a problem. And then it's too late to be protected. So your guy there in Arizona doing the work, you, you just need to impress upon him that he should do it now because when something bad happens, it's just too late. I'm going to send him a link to this show. And when he hears us talking about him, he'll know that I was serious every time I told him that he needed to go get an LLC. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got uh, advice direct from an attorney. I mean, he didn't have to pay for the consult. He, he should take your advice. Yeah, maybe he needs to pay us. <laughs> yeah, well... I appreciate all of the uh, all the information that you're giving us because I think you know anybody who's thinking about taking that step out to go do that it's extremely important to do so. Um, you know, a lot of times I think this 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 comes down with an LLC too. Um, I've had some experiences with this where you know you you you're working with a vendor and they want you to sign a, an agreement for you know twelve months or twenty four months or whatever that is. Let's say it's for uh, you yeah. know like a, a a lease or a business phone system or something like that that you're getting that's uh, part of your operational expenditures. Um, I've had certain circumstances where they've said, oh, yeah, we know you're an LLC, but we need you to sign this document, which um, is a personal guarantee. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that, because I think a lot of vendors are doing that nowadays to LLCs and they're saying, hey, well, it's great. You're an LLC, but we need a personal guarantee. And, you know, um, in my mind, I'm going like, yeah, well, if you need a personal guarantee to do business with a business then maybe we shouldn't do business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to take, I would take that line, uh, but you're going to see it, especially when you start up. If you've been uh, in business for three years or less, uh, most people are going to ask for the personal guarantee because they know that an LLC can go bankrupt or out of business and then, then they're left uh, in the cold. So you will see uh, requests for personal guarantees all the time. Now, uh, one way to deal with it is you can build business credit. You have a business and, and you want to have uh, a good paydex score, a good number where people are willing to extend credit to the LLC because they've proved that they're credit worthy. Uh, there, there are ways to do that. I, I co-authored a book called Finance Your Own Business where we talk about building business credit. You can get a credit card in the name of your LLC and Maybe at the start, you have to personally guarantee that, but over time, as you build up credit, as you pay the uh, credit card bill on a timely basis, eventually you can get credit in the name of the LLC. And over a period of time, you'll be able to have the LLC sign for the phone system without a personal guarantee. So you can get to that point, but as you say, Ryan, at the start, uh, they're going to ask for that personal guarantee, and then it's your decision to provide that uh, or find another vendor. Yeah, and I'm always of the of the 
thought process that I'm finding another vendor because I feel like with so much competition out here in in the space and especially with you know every passing day it seems like technology is making our lives yeah. uh, I, I'm not going to say easier I'll give you an example I was playing around with an automated uh, artificial intelligence software tool that helps you to expand your social media footprint right because I'm sure you understand this you have a book so I'm sure you guys are promoting the book online and 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 you're you're letting people know about events and things that you're going to be at and like it's really cumbersome for you to type in you know uh one facebook post one twitter post one linkedin post whatever other sites that you might be using um and so i was playing with this ai engine and man did the technology make it a lot easier i still had to do some of the work but i was able to you know process like 18 social media posts in the same amount of time as it takes me to do one and so you have software that is allowing things to be you know uh, bigger smarter faster so why why stick with a company who wants a personal guarantee when there's so much, uh, you know, capitalism out there that you can just go find a different vendor that does the same thing that doesn't require that. Exactly right. I mean, I think uh, people always benefit from shopping around. When I talk to clients, I mean, I do consults all day long and I, I hear, especially with regard to insurance, that the insurance company won't let you do this or that. And I go, well, how many insurance companies have you talked to? Oh, well, one or two. And, and you really need to shop around on some of these things. So you're right, Ryan. I mean, getting on the phone, I know it takes a little bit of time, but getting on the phone or the Internet and finding other uh, competitors, other sources uh, is really good. Because if you can minimize those uh, personal guarantees, all the better. Yeah, that's a good, good point. Good point. Uh, you know, let, let's talk about forming of these these corporations, these entities, um, you know, I know we, we talked about how important it was to have one for the protection and, uh, you know, protecting those things. But as you, as you look at, you know, forming your LLC or corporation, you know, I see a lot of places that are like, it's a Delaware corporation or it's a Wyoming or Nevada or, you know, like our company here is an Arizona LLC. How do you go about making the decision of like which legal state or entity that your LLC is drawn from and, and what's the advantage or disadvantage of that? Well, you did uh, name the, the top three right at the start, <laughs> Delaware, Wyoming, and Nevada. They, all three of them compete to be the best state to set up in. And uh, in terms of LLCs, uh, Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware have the best asset protection law uh, for LLCs. Arizona is okay. It's not as good as the, the first three. Um, so you want to utilize uh, a state that is – uh, strong in asset protection. Uh, we like Wyoming because they have the, the asset protection like Delaware and Nevada, but in Nevada and Delaware, it's $350 a year or more per entity. Wyoming's only $50 a year. Uh, Wyoming also does not list your name on the state database uh, for corporations or LLCs. So you have more privacy with Wyoming. And so when we give people the option of Delaware, Wyoming, and Nevada, and we explain the benefits and, and the, you know, the various differences, 95% uh, of the people will pick Wyoming. Uh, it's just a great state to uh, set up your entity in. Now, if you're operating in Arizona like you are, Ryan, I mean, you would either have an Arizona LLC, which is fine, or you could have a Wyoming LLC 
qualified to do business in the state of Arizona. And what that means is you only have one entity. We set up in Wyoming and then we get permission from the Arizona Corporations Commission to do business in the state of Arizona. So you're following Arizona law, but you have the protection because you formed in Wyoming of a Wyoming LLC. So these are issues that, you know, I, I write about in my books and, and we get on the phone with people and talk through them. Um, you know, it's not that difficult to understand, but it is a good question to ask. Uh, you, you know, if your advisor says, oh, you have to use a Texas LLC in every single circumstance, well, you know, that's not the right answer. We do have choices in, in America it's kind of a constitutional right to travel issue. You can set up wherever you want. Uh, and so when you give people an overview, uh, they, they look to Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware. And when you drill down a bit, uh, at least for us, Wyoming is the best state. So if I was to get sued by somebody doing business and my uh, LLC was formed in Wyoming. Does that mean that I have to fly to Wyoming to, to do court? Well, here, let's look at it. If we have, um, a Wyoming LLC that's qualified in Arizona and you're doing business in the state of Arizona and a client sues you, uh, over the business, that case would take place in Arizona because you're doing business in Arizona. The client is in Arizona so the proper venue for that case would be Arizona. Wyoming comes into play if you get in that horrific car wreck, right? And that's called the outside attack. The first attack by the client that you're doing business with is called the inside attack. They get to sue the, uh, the LLC itself. The outside attack is you get in that horrific car wreck and someone wants to get at your assets and you've, you've got an umbrella policy and that's good and hopefully they leave you alone. But if the attorney really, you know, you don't have the umbrella policy and they want to try and get at your assets, that they're coming from the outside. They don't have a relationship with your LLC. They've never done business with your LLC. They just want to get the assets inside it. In this case, Wyoming law would apply and Wyoming has the charging order which is a key asset protection feature. It's really a, a lien on distribution. So they get a judgment against you. Ryan owns the LLC. They want to get at the assets of the LLC. They can't barge inside the LLC and force you to sell all the assets. Instead, they have to wait around to get distributions from the LLC. Now, most attorneys who are suing you on a car wreck claim you know, they're on a contingency, meaning they don't get paid until they collect. And waiting around to get a distribution from an LLC is just not a good use of their time, right? They'd rather go on to the next case that has plenty of insurance money. So I always recommend that our clients have plenty of insurance, especially when it, we're dealing with homes and autos, that they have that umbrella policy. So if something bad happens, the attorney can get at the insurance money. They're good at getting the, at the insurance money. But then when you have your other assets in LLCs, uh, they tend to leave you alone. It's just not a good use of their time. Now, I should mention, Ryan, that California, uh, no surprise to anyone, has the weakest law for LLCs. In California, unlike the charging order of Wyoming, 
in California, you could go to court and say, Your Honor, I have a claim against Ryan. He's got assets inside his LLC. I want to get at him. And the court in California says, sure, you were in the car wreck accident. You go and take Ryan's assets out of his business LLC. So that's why some states we never want to use if we don't have to. And that would include California, New York, uh, Georgia's pretty weak. Uh, and why we'd like to use Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware, because they're strong. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and, and very well said. I, I appreciate you explaining to that. Garrett, hold tight. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And we come back from the commercial break. I want to talk about, you know, the, the books that you have and, you know, some of your affiliation with uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad as an advisor to the series. And, of course, you know, your relationship with Robert Kiyosaki and all those types of things. So uh, when we come back on the other side of the commercial break, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned in to Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Ryan treasure please make sure that if you're listening to this you give us five stars because five stars are way better than four big shout out to the folks who have uh, given us uh, five star ratings on itunes i looked them up yesterday we have over 155 star ratings on itunes so thank you guys very much for uh, keeping finding your frequency at the top of mind we really appreciate the love so let's uh let's let's talk a little bit about kind of what you've been working on recently i know that uh we were we were just kind of going down the rabbit hole about llcs and corporations and asset protections, which is extremely important. Uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit. And I know that um, you are uh, a select few individuals that are part of the Rich Dad Advisors uh, for Robert Kiyosaki. And I've interviewed several other of uh of of the your your advisors and and man what a what a wealth of knowledge i think all of you guys as advisors uh coming together you guys are like voltron you know you like one of you's a leg the other one's an arm and then the head and then you know you all join together and the next thing you know you're like you know the the power team international uh uh so i, I definitely love that but tell us a little bit about your experience with the rich dad advisors and 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 how you guys work together with robert kiyosaki well, it's been great, Ryan. I've, I've been working with Robert for, geez, almost 20 years now. And uh, it's been really great traveling not only around America, but around the world, uh, talking about financial education. And, and his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is the best-selling personal financial book of all time. And uh, at least once a year, we're in a foreign country, one or more, talking about financial education. In October, we were just in... Uh, Singapore, Japan, and New Zealand. And uh, the the audiences in the foreign countries are just as incentivized to learn this stuff as those in the United States. So it's really been a great uh, 20 years working with Robert. And uh, we do get together as advisors. Robert has us read uh, at least one uh, interesting book a year, and we get together and do a book study about it. So uh, we do get together as advisors uh, we are uh, assisting Robert and Kim and, and others uh, in the organization with, you know, I assist with some of the legal issues. Tom Wheelwright assists with some of the tax issues. So we do help each other as well. So it's just been a really great experience. Yeah, you know, I had Tom here in the studio uh, here. We're in Phoenix. And so we got to have him come into the studio and do an interview face to face. And yeah, what a what a great guy, especially talking about taxes and, you know, taxes kind of be a, can kind of be a boring subject. Uh, 
but man, it was really interesting to talk to Tom about taxes and his approach to that. And, you know, we got to have a laugh about why, you know, Amazon doesn't pay any taxes. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, it makes a lot of sense. I see so many social media posts online where they're like all angry and they're like, well, if Amazon paid taxes, we'd have more. And it's like, you guys don't understand the way capitalism works like that. Amazon is making jobs like how many people work at Amazon that pay federal income tax? I mean, let's think about that right. or pay state income tax. I think that the the government itself, you know, state and federal, they're probably making a lot more money off of incrementally taxing the worker versus they are the corporation. Right. Right. And, you know, Ryan, there's one thing I do want to mention, and, and that is if some of your listeners already have a corporation or an LLC, there's one aspect to that that a lot of people don't focus on, and that is you set up a corporation or LLC for protection, for limited liability protection, but you do have these annual requirements to make sure that you stay protected. And so that's one of the messages that I uh, give when I'm traveling the country is, Yes, you've set up an LLC, you have the bank account, uh, you're operating through the LLC, the money comes into the LLC, all that's great. But you need to do minutes of a meeting every year. You need to make sure you have a registered agent in each state where you have incorporated or you do business. And if you fail to follow these corporate uh, formalities, someone can do what's called piercing the corporate veil meaning they have a claim against the corporation, but because you didn't follow the formalities, they can go through the corporation, they can pierce the corporate veil and go after the individual and get their personal assets. So you've set up this LLC to protect yourself, and because you didn't follow the ongoing uh, formalities, the requirements that you have to follow every year, you're now personally liable for the claim. So that's something that your listeners should know, that. Just setting up the entity isn't enough. You've got to take steps to uh, maintain it on an annual basis. Now, if you haven't done so, don't tell anyone. Just call us and we can <laughs> clean it up for you. But it's, it is important to know that there are ongoing requirements. Gary, you're telling me that I can't just buy a car and drive it till the wheels fall off. I have to like, do, <laughs> I have to do oil changes. You have to put oil in I got to put tires on it. I got to make sure the brakes are working. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I thought that would throw that out there as an analogy, right? Because, you know. That is a great everybody, analogy. Everybody do you mind a car. if I use that in the future? No, please do. I mean, it's something, right. it's something that I think anybody can connect with, right? We all have cars. We drive around. You know right. that, you know, you got to put gas in it to get it to go. The gas is like effort for your business. You know, you got to have some effort to get your car rolling down the road, but it's not going to roll down the road if you don't take care of it, maintain it. And then of course, you know, you got to keep it clean. So that way you have good marketing. <laughs> there you go. That's a great uh, image. Yeah. So, I'll, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to credit uh, somebody for that one. Uh, I heard it from somewhere. I can't remember. It was a keynote speech I was listening to. They were talking about uh, a bicycle. I'm trying to remember his dad was super famous keynote speaker. Um, Anyways, it was the bicycle method. And he was talking about business and like, oh, you got to have a seat and you got to have a handlebars and you got to have the wheels. And, you know, and I was like, oh, a car would be so much more sexy. Let's talk. Let's let's use a yeah. car analogy around that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that is a great uh, uh, analogy. But you do want to make sure that your entity is uh, running in tip top shape. Uh, you know, you've got to every year. Uh, get it into the shop and do the minutes and make sure that you paid the state. Uh, you know, if you lose your state charter for failing to, you know, pay 
Wyoming, for example, the $50 a year, it's kind of hard to say that your uh, activities are protected when the states revoked your charter. Uh, so these are simple things to do, but if you don't do them, they can be pretty dramatic. Yeah, you know, I think there's some other things that uh, people need to think about, and this isn't probably for the newer LLCs or corporations, probably for maybe some that have been around for a little while, but, you know, I, I hear a lot of people who are, are you know, started a business. An example, like, you know, uh, dad starts a business and he operates this business for 25, 30 years and he has kids and then his kids are going to get into the business as well and, um, you know, you have this limited liability with, you know, dad as the, as the owner of the company, how do you create number one, uh, a secession plan that, you know, make sure that the secession follows the orders or will of, you know, the person who created the LLC or corporation in the first place, you know, to make sure that you don't get stuck in escrow with taxes and, you know, all of those kind of things as, as, as part one of my question. And then part two is, you know, how do you deal with that in a manner of, uh, you know, if, 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 you know, you're, you're the LLC owner and you get sick, um, and you have 14, 15, 16, 20, 30, 50, whatever employees, you know, how does the company know how to operate in the stead of the loss of its leader? Um, and then how do you, how do you manage a succession plan to somebody who, if you plan on, you know, giving the business to one of your kids? Well, those are good questions. Um, on the first one with the kids, you know, I, I certainly have seen family situations and it, it's pretty easy to bring the kids in. The question is the whole family dynamics. I mean, are the kids going to get along with each other? Are the kids going to respect dad enough to know that, uh, you know, he, he's acting in their best interests? Um, you know, the whole personal uh, side of things is really important. In terms of the succession, I mean, there are plenty of ways that dad can gift to the kids or, or allow the kids to earn their way into the business. Um, so that part of it is, is pretty basic, but seeing how the families operate as individuals and the family dynamics, that's where the fireworks are. Um, in terms of uh, the loss of the leader, yeah, that is also very important because, you know, the employees are used to having uh, a dynamic figure, uh, you know, leading. And I've had some clients that will groom someone to be the successor. Um, and so over a period of time, it's, it's understood that this person is someday going to take over. And so there's not a lot of uh, anxiety over who's going to be the leader, right? I mean, if you, if you, spring that on people, uh, as the, the, you know, the dad's 99 years old, uh, and no one has been groomed to fill that spot, that can be a shock to the company. So if, if the person has been identified and has been groomed, I see that working better than just a, an announcement at the end of someone's career. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, preparing someone for that position, I, I think the, uh, the, the father, the leader, uh, needs to sit down with this person as well as with the attorney and the CPA, the whole team. Uh, I think the person who's coming into that position uh, needs to be aware of the various legal and, and tax ramifications for it. Um, so, 
you know, it, especially if you're going to be selling a business, it, it takes about two years to get a business ready to sell. Uh, to turn over a business to family members, it's going to be at least a two-year process, maybe five. So people who are thinking about this really should uh, not wait until the last minute to try and do this because it's a it's a multi-year process. Yeah, and I mean, there's no telling too during that that process. Like, you know, how how does the business continue operating in that space? Because you do have, you know, those number of employees that have put in their time, effort, and energy, and they are part of the reason why you know the business is operational and 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 revenue growing and all of those things. You know, and that's the last thing I think if I owned a company, that'd be the last thing that I want to do is like leave the people who have helped me to attain the status of yeah. the current company and like leave them high and dry, you know, because they, they all have yeah. families. They all have, you know, they depend on their, their jobs for their, their families and their income. Right. Well, and Ryan, there is an option called the employee stock option uh, ownership plan an ESOP, whereby the founder can sell the company. Uh, to the employees. And then the, once the founder leaves, the employees have a board of managers and, you know, they have a way to uh, carry the business forward. Uh, it's interesting when you read the case studies about ESOPs, uh, some work and some don't. Uh, you know, sometimes that leader is the glue that holds everything together. And when he's gone, the, the other employees just can't continue with the business. So it, it doesn't work in all cases. Uh, but there, there are plenty of options for getting your business to the employees. So let's talk about this other book that you have that's called Loopholes of Real Estate, Secrets of Successful Real Estate Investing. You would think that with all of your legal background, maybe, uh, I don't know, you, you, you got into some component of real estate. Um, and I would love to tell you that I've read this entire book, but it was only dropped on my desk a few days ago. Um, but, but honestly, I mean, you know, loopholes of real estate, I'm sure that there's, you know, lots of legal things that are, that are needed in real estate. Let's talk a little bit about those because I feel like real estate, um, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you talk about some of the, uh, and, and we've discussed this a few times on, on some other shows, there's like, I think Robert has like four or five pillars of, you know, uh, revenue generation with, you know, like paper and stocks and stuff being one of them. And the other one is, you know, uh, the real estate portion, but, um, to me, I feel like real estate is probably the fastest way for somebody to grow their portfolio and in, 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 in assets and such like that. So let's talk a little bit about that. And, you know, what are what are some of the important things that people need to know before they start getting into real estate? Other than the what I feel is an obvious question about, you know, getting educated about real estate and the real estate market in the first place. But from your perspective, from the legal perspective, what are some things that are uh, you think important for somebody to check out before they, you know, start to. Uh, you know, dropping down payments on rental houses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think certainly education is the way to go. Um, you know, you can, do you have to read a hundred books? No, I think you're going to learn a lot about real estate by investing, but you should get a grounding in, uh, in real estate before you start investing. I mean, maybe that's five books, maybe that's some seminars. There's plenty of webinars online that you can watch, but you're, you're really going to learn a lot by doing. Now, Loopholes of Real Estate talks about topics that, you know, are legal topics that really most people don't know. Certainly, I talk about the asset protection, how to use an LLC, how we set up 
Wyoming LLCs that own the Arizona LLCs and how we structure things. But we also talk about things like title. You know, how do you take title to the real estate? Um, do you take it in your individual name? Well, if you do, it's like being a sole proprietor. You're personally responsible for everything. So you set up an LLC, but Ryan, some people will set up the LLC and then forget to take title in the name of the LLC. You need to do that second step of transferring title from your name into the name of the LLC. Um, and then there, there are various ways of transferring title. Do you use a grant deed or do you use a quit claim deed? Uh, you're never going to use a quit claim deed. Uh, a lot of people mispronounce it as a quick claim deed, like it's easy to do, but it doesn't provide you with the continuity of title insurance. So these are things that are not taught in school, but a good book that uh, condenses all of this legal information for investing in real estate. That, that was my intent in uh, writing loopholes uh, of real estate so that people will understand that there are these legal loopholes that if you don't know about, you're not going to close them. So I want, I want you to understand the loopholes. I want you to take the legal steps to close those loopholes so that you're not going to get sued or lose all of your personal assets. Yeah, nobody wants to get sued and lose their personal assets. You know, uh, <laughs> right. one, one, one last question for you before we wrap up the interview here. But I, I, I always had wondered this. If you have an, an LLC and you're doing business and, you know, you want to get into real estate. And so, yeah, you have a rental property or something like that that you might use the business's uh, earnings from to reinvest in a piece of property that's kind of maybe outside of the business. It, it's core core business anyways. Um, what do you do with your, you know, like your own house, your, your personal house, the one that you live in with your family? Um, you know, is that like the car, the same idea you want to keep that car and that personal house under your personal name and that not be part of the LLC? Uh, explain that just a little bit. Well, you raised a couple questions there. So let's talk about the, the protecting your personal residence first. Um, most states have what's called the homestead exemption. And this started in Texas when they were an independent republic. And it was a way to get uh, ranchers to come down to Texas. And the Texas homestead says, if you have uh, your house on a parcel in Texas, uh, someone who's a later creditor can't get at your house. They can't get at any of the equity in your house. And this was a huge tool for development of Texas and other states followed suit. So for example, Florida, has an unlimited homestead exemption. If you live in a $5 million home and you get in a car wreck and someone sues you for 10 million, they can't get your $5 million home. It is completely protected. Now, other states have a different dollar amount. California, it's $100,000. And you know, every house in California is now worth a million. So how do you protect you know, every every time you, every time you talk, it just makes me hate California more and more. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess hate's I mean, a strong word. Dislike. I'm living in Nevada because <laughs> I grew up in California. But anyway, California has a hundred thousand dollar homestead exemption. So if you get sued, uh, you have the homestead on the property, but the house is worth a million. They can force a sale of the house and collect nine hundred thousand dollars from you. So in that case, you'll look at using an LLC. Now, your second question, Ryan, is you've got money coming out of the business. And how do you take title to the real estate you're going to buy? I would not put a rental property, uh, any piece of real estate in the same LLC 
that you operate your business through. The issue being, if you get sued in the business, well, they can get what's inside the business and here's this duplex that you own. Conversely, you get, you know, you have a tenant in the duplex and the tenant sues over something that happens on the property, they could get the assets of your business because that's what's inside the LLC. So we always want to segregate business operations from rental real estate. So you're going to use two ah. separate entities for those activities. That makes a lot of sense, Garrett, a whole bunch. And so it'd kind of be like, you know, if I have my main company is like Ryan LLC and then I decide, okay, I'm going to, you know, go get some real estate. Now I'm going to create a new LLC called Ryan Real Estate LLC or something. You know, I'm just being plain, but, uh, you know, no, then, that's th exactly right. Okay. Yeah. You would not put the real estate into your business. Um, we want to protect both of them. And so we're going to use separate LLCs. Well, Garrett, I appreciate you jumping on. And for those of you who are listening, make sure you go check out the books, Start Your Own Corporation, and of course, Loopholes of Real Estate, both by author Garrett Sutton and our legal expert who's been joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Uh, Garrett, where can people find you and uh, more information about you on the internet? Well, our main website is corporatedirect.com, and we also offer a free 15-minute consultation with one of our incorporating specialists. So if you're interested in setting up an LLC or a corporation in any one of the 50 states, uh, you can call 800-600-1760, and we'll get on the phone with you for 15 minutes and see if we can help you. So Corporate Direct and 800-600-1760. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. The big round of applause for Garrett Sutton, our legal expert joining us today. One of the fantastic Rich Dad advisors joining us right here on Finding Your Frequency. Garrett, thank you so much again for joining us on the show. We really appreciate your time. And, you know, as we move through the year of 2020 and we start looking at some of these, you know, different things that are happening all over the world and all over the country and changes that are happening. You know, I think at some point we'll probably have to do a follow up interview uh, later on this year and kind of see how. Uh, things have shooken out later on in 2020 as it's going to be one heck of a dynamic year. I'd be happy to do so. Awesome. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening on your favorite pod catching device, make sure you give us a nice review because five stars are way better than four. And of course, you can follow us all over social media at Radio Ryan One, at Jeff Spinney Two, and of course, follow the network at Voice America TRN. And you can check out the website at FindingYourFrequency.net. Thank you guys very much for tuning in to this great and wonderful special episode of Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. <laughs>